welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, where we bring you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you to help you connect with where your passion meets the world's deep need. Today on the podcast is the first episode of season two, and I'm really excited to get to talk to Randy Hardman, Asbury Seminary alum and owner of Drinkling's Coffee Shop in Wilmore. In this episode, we talk about all the things, the intersection of faith, mission, and business, how Drinklings got started, and how they are using their place in the community to do good. Let's listen. So when did you start Drinklings? So we started in October of 2016. Okay. Um, and we... We actually started just as a as a mug company. I mean, the concept, we did proof of concept, all that kind of stuff, um, starting in February of 2016. Um, in fact, I remember the day that I, I you know, a couple months earlier, it was just the weird, it was a weird, like, uh, I was at home over Christmas, and I was trying to kind of figure out, like, where, you know, what to be doing with my life, stuff like that. I had gone through seminary and was kind of just in this in this weird, like, post-seminary place that yeah. a lot of people yeah. wind themselves up in, strangely enough. Yeah, where did you do seminary? At Asbury okay. Theological Seminary. And, um, you know, the Ph.D. route just didn't kind of, it wasn't going to unpack itself for, for at least a while. Um, and so I was just trying to figure, figure out what directions to take. Um, and... Strangely enough, um, I just kind of had this idea of like mugs, like the word mugs just kind of came upon me. And, yeah. you know, my dad was always a collector of mugs. Um, I kind of adopted that. And so if you would open up like my kitchen cabinet, you would see like, you know, 30 mugs that fall out <laughs> wow. and stuff like that. And so I, somewhere along the line, it was like, I wonder if we could do this. I wonder if I could be, if I could make some mugs and just, you know, even just as a side little hobby or whatever. Um, and I, so I started looking into that, what it would take to actually do that kind of stuff. Um, now, I'm not an artist um, by any means, and I tried to do that kind of stuff. And it would be funny to look back at, like, some of the first mugs that we've kind of prototyped <laughs> yeah. because they're so bad. I mean, I'm not a graphic designist. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know Adobe Illustrator or anything like that. I didn't know the machinery that we were using. So it was a, like a lot of like startups where like if you went back to the original startup, like it, you would look at it and be like, it's going to be a complete sure. failure. That's right? how all of us have done everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like going back and reading your first like seminary paper, and you're like, right. <laughs> you're like, they should have failed me and <laughs> right? taken me out but of school. Thank God that they did not. And and. Uh, so we, you know, we that that started in December, February. We it was like, okay, this is something that's going to happen. And so I threw out on on social media, interested in starting a coffee mug company. What should we call it? Um, and we had two two or three different people um, just say Drinklings. Like we had we had about fifteen wow. different like ideas, but Drinklings became the the thing, uh-huh. right? And. Yeah, I think we, I might have even said something about like C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, kind of like that's, there's an influence there. Uh And of course, Drinklings, you know, you can always tell who knows it and who doesn't know it. You know, people will come in and and they'll like, what does this mean? You know, and other people are like, it's, it, this is Tolkien and this is C.S. Lewis, right? (laughs) Right. And that became just kind of like, it was an immediate, like, this is, this is what we do. Yeah. Um, For those who don't know Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, tell us the connection between Drinklings and them. Yeah, so C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were part of this little, little writers group um, over at Oxford called the Inklings. Um, I guess Oxford, Cambridge, but you know yeah. the, the eagle and the child there. Um, and you know, I think that 
Lewis in particular, but also Tolkien, just became so influential in um, my own spiritual growth, my own understandings of Christianity, um, a lot of existential growth and stuff like that. Tolkien, especially on the latter, a lot of existential, mm-hmm. you know, how to how to how to kind of make sense out of life and, and so forth. Um, but I think the really awesome thing was was they took something just as basic as like literature, and they changed the world with it. Yes. You know, and I think they would be surprised looking back at like how different the world probably is with their stuff versus potentially without it. Yeah. Right. So they made a they made a major social contribution. Um, they did it out of creativity. Um, they did it out of faith, um, mm-hmm. out of their convictions, and and they changed the world. So, for us, you know, we're not a literature society. Um, <laughs> yeah. We do have a Tolkien and Lewis writing group that meets, and we really? and we do like reading papers. It's like an old-fashioned kind of inklings thing. Um, but our our hope was saying like we're going to take something as basic as coffee and do something with it culturally, socially, that means something. Yeah. Um, and so there's no direct correlation, really, outside of the name and the fact that we love yeah. them and we put yeah. their faces on some mugs. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's just kind of like a homage throwback to, like, yeah. th- this, they change the world, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of that's kind of what that is. I love that. So, yeah. but, but all I was going to say is, like, we started off as a mug company in October, and then by December we thought it makes sense to be, if we're going to make coffee mugs, to potentially think about making coffee to go in the mugs. For sure. And so we started doing that. And so, yeah. you know, that's kind of grown over the time. And our podcast guests, as you know, get free bags of coffee yeah. as a gift for being on the podcast yeah. that you make. So I've heard nothing but good. Yeah, that's so. good. Do I get a bag of Yes, do you do. I was like, I don't know if you want it because <laughs> no, I feel I'm like good. you get all the I have free coffee, coffee you want. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you said that... Um, you were thinking about what to do after seminary and the word mugs just kind of came to your mind. Is that how God normally speaks to you? Like with just like words? Oh no. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I am one of those, I'm one of those people that is cautiously optimistic about, about the way that God speaks to it. In fact, when I came to seminary, I was, I was, uh, I wasn't even cautiously optimistic. I was pessimistic about that idea, you know, and, and, you know, with some legitimacy and stuff like that, you see people mm-hmm. all the time that go out and say, God told me to do this, God told me to do that. And, you know, I had studied sociology of religion, psychology of religion. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I was also somewhat of like a doubter and a seeker and stuff like that a lot in my in my early, you know, mm-hmm. 18, 19 through my early 20s. Um, and so when I came here and people started talking about like, God spoke to me or God told me, this is what they yeah. regularly would say, is God's telling me this. Uh-huh. And for the first several years that I lived in Wilmore, I would kind of shake my head and be like, you know, the, the yeah. God doesn't speak that way. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe God doesn't speak at all. And that changed in my life in um, just some really, you know, there was some life stuff that happened in my life that was that was major. And it was the first time I ever really felt very 100% confident that... God was speaking to me. Wow. Um, and in fact, I remember like there was a there was a point in a crisis of faith where I said, "Listen, God, like you know, I need you to show yourself to me in a way that I can't rationalize." Number on the one hand, and I can't say good people are just doing good things. On the other hand, I need you to do something that shows me that you care, that you that you're provident, that mm. you love, right? Um, 
and he did. And it was like six months later, he did. Yeah. And it was, for me, it was a game changer. So I still, I still come with some suspicion anytime somebody <laughs> says, God's telling me to do this, because, you know, but, and I think that's healthy sometimes. Um, yeah. uh, but, but for me, that, that has changed over time to, to God really does give direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does so in different ways. Sometimes it can be very explicit, so much as like mugs, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I, that, that, that just for me just felt like there was, there was an, a guidance that was that, you know, area. And I don't know where this is going to lead to. I mean, that's the thing. Like, mugs may be a step in a completely different direction yeah. that eventually 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the line, you know, there will be this series of connections that goes all the way back to that word mugs. You know, yeah. like this started it and the, the ball can roll wherever. Yeah. It's cool how he, that happens. Yeah. And you don't see it necessarily at the time until you are, like you said, looking back. Yeah, looking back and, re- and reflection. Um, oh, yeah. I think most of us could probably do that at some point later on in our lives where we look back and we see how, you know, we might have thought God was just being this explicit, this simple mm-hmm. about something, but but mm-hmm. failing to really account for the fact that God's ways of weaving the ins and the yeah. outs and the turns and the twists and all that kind of stuff are things that we could just never put together yeah. um, on our own. You yeah. know? So how does God speak to you now then? Because I'm curious about, because he speaks to everybody differently. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, God knows that I'm a cautiously optimistic person when it comes like, to aren't that. Are we glad? Like, aren't we really glad? Yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's good. I mean, that's the that's one of the beautiful things I think about God is that we, he he knows our personalities, right? And it's not something we do really well. I think sometimes we we think that Christians should be this kind of personality, you know, be open to this, be open to this, be open to that, you know, and. Um, we kind of cookie cutter that sometimes and like, you know, we don't leave room for the fact that there's different personalities and God might speak to people in a different way. Some people are very much more heady, you know, intellectualish kind of people. I'm a little bit more on that. You know, my wife says I'm a, I'm a four with a five wing. <laughs> okay. So, the <laughs> you know, game, so okay. I am one of those people I will process emotionally and then I will rationalize it and, and pick and choose and figure out if it, you know, makes any sense at yeah. all. What's your wife on the Enneagram? Oh, she's a, she thinks she's a nine. I don't really know, but I'm skeptical of the Enneagram too, but that's a very four thing to do. <laughs> that, so, right. My husband is a four. You so, know, yeah, yeah. I used to think the Enneagram is cool. Um, <laughs> until everybody started <laughs> Until doing... everybody thinks it's cool and yeah. now I'm, right. I'm questioning it. I'm but, a six on the Enneagram, so. There you go. And so. Supposedly. Supposedly, <laughs> theoretically. And, uh, but you know, that's the fact, like we recognize there's various different personalities and just like we would approach everybody else in a different way, depending on what their personality is. I think God speaks to us in different ways too. Yeah. And some people, it is going to be more explicit. Um, it is going to be more directional. It may be, you know, for a lack of a better term, it may be more simple, you know, mm-hmm. and other people, you know, like God may, it, God may take years to, to communicate the message. Right. You know, it may take a lifetime to communicate the message sometimes for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, that's just my own experience. Like, cause I, I think I was, I was voted, jokingly voted in high school, most likely to become an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I'm not, and, uh, I'm grateful for that because God spoke to me in the way that I needed him to speak yeah. to me. And, you know, yeah. and if we're open to that, the fact that that can happen, 
Because yeah. um, I could have totally taken that life experience yeah. and said, I'm going to try and rationalize this away. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to try and make it up to coincidence or, or good people being good people or chance or whatever. Um, but I think God does give everybody at least several moments throughout their life, I think, where, where he's going to speak to them in a way that they have to make a choice, whether they're going to accept it as a message from God Mm-hmm. Um, or whether they're going to find a way to wiggle out of that. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. just some of my experience. So mugs, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that w- I, that's not something I would necessarily say was a big message. But I don't know what's a big message and what's a small message in right. the grand scheme of things. Who are we you know? to judge? Who are we to judge? So. Yeah, yeah. So tell me more about your mugs. How do you you make them? yourself yeah. like how does that whole process work so we we do make them ourselves um i've done s- several of our designs as well um, i know you guys have had winfield bevins on the podcast yes um and he is a good friend and he actually probably about two months after we started we had a at a meeting at a coffee shop ironically <laughs> and uh and he said well why don't i draw up a couple and just you know a couple designs he said i'm a decent caricaturist and he said yeah, let me he draw is. up a couple designs and you know, just freebies and throw them your way. Um, and so he did. He did a he did a Tolkien and he did a Lewis and he did a John Wesley for us. And oh, cool. um, that really launched us um, into what we're doing now. And um, us and Winfield have a really great relationship. Um, he's in fact, I just communicated with him today, and he sent me a George McDonald and and a, uh, a T. S. Eliot and. Um, uh, a new Julian of Norwich, and so we're like, oh, I love her. Yeah, and so we're we're kind of redoing that one, but you know he's done a lot of them that are really, you know, sell really well. Rowan Williams for the mm-hmm. Anglicans. Um, uh, so, and we have a couple other artists that work for us, but they they'll send stuff in, and then um, I kind of took on like learning how to do graphic design things like that a little bit, and so I'll okay. go in and clean them up, do some colorizing. Um, getting them ready for basically print, and then we actually make the mugs in house through so, a, through a process. Okay, so what does that process making the mugs? Because is it like throwing pottery? Like what? no, it's not. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is why I'm always I'm always surprised that this thing took off because I'm like, we'll go to craft fairs and we'll sit next to a potter's booth that somebody's <laughs> got these really great little you know pottery stuff, and I'm like, I know this took you a total of like twenty hours to complete this one design. Uh, this thing took us five minutes. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's just it's basic printing. Like you, you would get like on a T-shirt or stuff like that. We just happen to do it on mugs. That's um, cool. So it's it's pretty cool. It's called sublimation printing, um, and it really launched us mm-hmm. um, in what we're doing. So that's kind of the process. So they send us stuff. I work on it, design it. Um, sometimes I'll design something myself, um, cool. and then and then we get it ready for print. We print it, bake it, and. Um, and then bring it out. So that's awesome. And so you make your own coffee too, obviously. That's yeah. So like I said, um, we we were it was we were making mugs, and it was like, why not put the thing into the mug? And so right, it like just have became, something to put in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, one of my one of my good friends, um, some people here may remember him. Some people listening to the podcast know people locally do. Um, Jeremy Spainhauer, who's also a grad of the seminary. Um, I think he's actually a PhD student now, but he ran a little co- co- a coffee roasting company here called Kifu. Um, and I did some just like work with him and just learning what, what that looks like, what, how to roast coffee, what you're looking for, what kind of beans you're looking for, suppliers, all that kind of jazz. And so um, I just recently told him like, thank you for laying the fodder down yeah. uh, for, for 
artisan coffee in Wilmore, right? Mm -hmm. Because years ago, I don't think this would have worked. Um, and I don't, I don't know that we would have had a space for something like this to happen in Wilmore. Mm -hmm. um, either that or it would have been extremely challenging. But he was really good about just kind of laying some of the groundwork so people started to really appreciate good craft, locally roasted coffee. And then when they moved to Washington, we immediately like stepped in and started doing that, like barely skip, skipped a beat, you know, in yeah. doing that. And so um, it's been really great to watch like a place like Wilmore really change. Like we have people that come in all the time that are like, we used to drink this stuff over here and now it's terrible. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> in, in, you know, and they'll, they'll only drink, you know, drinklings or, or, you know, and I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we all, if you're moving or you're somewhere else, like just artisan coffee that's helping out small business people, it's better for farmers, you know, mm -hmm. across the globe, um, things like that, mm -hmm. rather than the big chains, you know, where you get all sorts of like, um, you know, it's not fair trade, it's right. not direct trade. Yeah, all your coffee is um, fair trade. Right. Yeah, all of our coffee um, is fair trade or direct trade. Okay. Um, now, what's the, explain the difference? I'm not sure. Yeah, so um, fair trade really kind of took off during like the the mid '90s, um, early 2000s, and basically its concern with fair trade was, you know, making sure that farmers globally are gonna gonna get paid mm -hmm. fair wages. Um, one of the difficult things here in the U.S. is when we're importing stuff, we're not always asking the right questions about where did this come from. Okay. Um, because we don't we don't connect the faces with it. We don't mm -hmm. connect the names with it. And, you know, most people when they brew a pot of coffee in the morning aren't thinking, like, what are the names of the people that grew this? No. You know, what are, what are, what are their stories? Do they have kids? Were their kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when we import so much, we're kind of blinded to – the conditions of it and i tell mm -hmm. people listen the cup of coffee that you're drinking took about three years to make you know really i didn't know that <laughs> yeah i mean by the time you plant the tree and you grow the tree and and stuff like that it ends up being a three to four year process to, to go from seed to cup um and so there's just a lot of stories that, that, that are there there's a lot of names that are there and faces that are there mm -hmm. and i think it's incumbent upon christians in particular to um, spend time reflecting when they're when we are dealing with imports and we are dealing with things that are coming from across the country, um, what the conditions are that create that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Because they are still our neighbors. Um, yeah. And if we are blinded to what conditions are, I mean, I think, uh, I don't remember the name of the book. I think it was God in a Brothel. Um, I don't remember the name of the author, though. And mm -hmm. he, he talked about... Um, how most Americans um, own something in their homes that is the result of human trafficking. Um, the question, the problem is we don't know what it is. Right. And if we, <laughs> I think most of us, if we knew what it was, we'd immediately, you know, cast it aside and, right. and get rid of it and, mm -hmm. and not, not buy from, you know, whatever that supplier is. Uh, we just don't know what that is. Um, and we even have human trafficking in the U.S. Yeah. and things like that, child labor. But that stuff happens a lot overseas. So, for example, um, one of our favorite coffees, we whenever we can get it, we try and get it in. Um, it's usually a Sumatran or a Colombian woman-produced coffee. Oh, yes. And women-produced coffee, I mean, just by, you can kind of make the connections immediately. You know, it's always fair trade, number one. But number mm -hmm. two, the 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 intent of that is to 
in, in different societies, it's, it's to kind of protect women from conditions that could potentially ex be exploitive mm -hmm. um, or abusive or trafficking or, or any, uh, you know, anything along those lines. And so by giving these women jobs and, and, you know, they're doing the harvesting, they're doing the, they're doing the depulping, they're doing all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. so the preparation for the coffee prior to export, it's keeping them and maybe their families and maybe their kids out of, out of precarious positions. Yes, for sure. Um, and so th all of that is to say, like, that's what fair trade's intent is to do, is to say, we want to give people fair wages to live on. It has to be a livable wage. Um, and so there's, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but it's like close to $1.92 a pound or something like that is going to immediately go to mm -hmm. those farmers. Right. So the distinction between fair trade and direct trade, though, is that fair trade, um, doesn't take into account for certain geographical, economic, um, social variables. Okay. And so fair trade in a particular country may end up being fair for um, this country that maybe has like a dollar to whatever, whatever their currency is, almost equivalent there. Uh -huh. But there may be other countries in which our dollar is not worth the same as theirs, you know. Or they have certain they have they have other economic things and things like that that are stripping them of, of financial you know benefits or, or whatever and um, you see it happen a lot in fact with fair trade that kind of your your richer countries get the fair fair trade deals right your more poverty stricken areas can't afford to purchase fair trade certification and so when people buy fair trade and say we're not going to buy not fair trade, sometimes you're actually doing um, uh, harm to those farmers and those farmers' families that because of poverty, because of social conditions, it. they can't afford the certification for fair trade. So that's the point about, about direct trade, is okay. direct trade puts you in contact with the actual farm itself okay. and the people of the farm itself, rather than working through middlemen and stuff like that you get to sit down and ask questions and say, you know, what is, what, what are your needs? What do you, you know, mm -hmm. and you get to arrange a negotiated price that works for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's the direct trade is slowly becoming more of like the go-to in the coffee industry that's um, awesome. where fair trade just has problems to it. Okay. Um, but I will say at the end of the day, it's better to buy fair trade than not fair trade. For most sure. Of the time. For sure. How do you work out these deals with, other with like directly with farmers because yeah. I know you're doing direct trade. So we are moving in that direction. Um, we we have have been fair trade for a long time. We do have one direct trade supplier that we buy from. Now we do buy from that. It's a Brazilian farm, mm -hmm. and we know all about them, stuff like that, what their working conditions are, things like that. Um, right now we can't import. Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of coffee <laughs> on a ship. So right now we're actually working with a partner who actually sets up the direct trade contract with them. Um, okay. And then we're buying off the ship, you know, through, through that contract. Awesome. Um, eventually, and this is in a kind of our, our, you know, one to two year plan, hopefully by 2020, what year is it? 2019. 2019, right? <laughs> so so end, by so. 2021, 2020 will be the year that we're kind of actually spending more of our time focusing on like, the preparation work, yeah. and by 2021, um, our our plan, you know, and that's that can change, but our plan is to actually be 
um, on the ground in different countries working on some of these contracts wow. um, and setting up farms. So we have to, you have to start somewhere and, yeah. and, and, you know, working with a partner who understands direct trade, has good connections with the farm, stuff like that, and can mm-hmm. vouch for, for the, those conditions is kind of that first step. Yeah, and then, sure. you know, take a whole year and do some preparation work yeah. and work with building partners. And, and that's one of the cool things right now and being in a place like Wilmore, we have so many people that come from different countries and or are going to different countries um, that we actually have um, some scouts for us in a, in a weird kind of <laughs> non-official awesome. way. Yeah. Um, people that, that are going overseas that, that have said, like, as I'm doing this, I'm going to want to connect you with with the people that I meet over there. And so those 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 are coming along the way. And we've yeah. started to have those conversations. But that is in the kind of like the yeah. future to grow the direct trade. That's awesome. Well, when this podcast releases, it'll release in spring 2020. So it right. won't be that far away yeah. from when you guys are going to be doing this. Yeah. 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 So we're excited about that. And we hope that there's some other things we, we would love. We're kind of in the early um, talks as well about potentially putting together like a class on coffee um, and, you know, talk, it would be an interdisciplinary thing where we can talk about the economics, the ethics, the agriculturalism, it's called agronomy um, when it relates to coffee. Um, you talk about, you know, sociological stuff um, and then potentially some mission stuff um, that that's important there too. And so my dream really with by 2021 is not only be, to be going overseas and working setting up some of these contracts but be taking a team of students or people that are interested in that kind of stuff and (laughs) i want to go yeah and and taking them overseas and maybe doing some justice work and some building and you know getting hands-on training you know if people need storehouses built we work with them to do that right um if you need to need extra hands in harvesting we help out with that kind of stuff that would Um, be amazing so that's my hope is to really say like we we will we will turn this into just being a, I mean, we're a simple coffee shop that makes mugs right now. Right. But we are putting the pieces together to say like our mission can be expanded into intercultural environments, mm-hmm. into those relationships, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we're in the early stages of that. That's so. awesome. I had no idea, but so. that's wonderful. So, but like I said, it's all in those, they're all plans. So, you know, yeah, but that's still, you so. have to start with plans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So you roast the coffee yourself, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And um, I've trained a couple other folks to kind of help along with those lines. Yeah. Um, but we do, we, we are small batch artisan roasted stuff. Okay. So like, tell me about roasting. Cause you do different blends, you know, how does that, I don't know anything. So yeah. tell me about it. Um, so uh, if you've never seen like coffee in it's in its original state it's it's interesting to do you know most people don't recognize that coffee is actually the seed of a fruit um and so it's weird to think about that like coffee comes from come comes from an actual cherry you know and grows on a tree um and so it's pulled off the tree it's harvested it's it's depulped so you pull that out of there in fact you can take like the little cherries and make tea out of them and stuff so it's kind of cool Um, but then you know over a process of of you know weeks to months you know the coffee is actually ends up drying out over time um sumatras tend not to kind of be that way um oftentimes which is why it's kind of a very different kind of cup but most coffees are 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 dried out for an extended period of time then they're bagged then they're shipped and we'll we'll bring in you know um, I don't know fifteen hundred two thousand three thousand pounds of raw coffee beans into our shop, and then at one time at one time wow. and we will 
um, you know, then we, the, we, we roast according to specifications, recipes, things like that. So it takes about nine to 10 minutes. Anybody can do roasting. And that's the crazy thing. Like <laughs> back before 19, really back before like World War II, um, there's two things that people did. I mean, I'm sure there's more, but there's two things that I've been impressed on that, that people did that we've kind of given up to convenience. Number one, people baked their own bread. They didn't buy the yes. they didn't buy the sliced bread, you know, stuff like that. They made their own bread at home. Number two, people actually roasted their own coffee at home. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, and so, that, that's a cool thing too. Is we've seen more people that are interested in kind of saying like, I'd like to do this at home, and it ends up being cheaper for a lot of people and things like that. You know, to do that, and you get good quality control, experimentation, all that kind of jazz. Um, but uh, but that yeah I mean any, anybody can learn it um, and just because you know some place might have like a big corporate you know sign or something like that you know I'm not naming anybody out you know <laughs> but it doesn't mean that anything's actually any better than than a lot of the local stuff so right. you know a, a lot of times you see the the craftiness the art that goes into local locally produced stuff over against big market stuff or big big you know corporate stuff and so um, we we really appreciate um, the way that we do roasting um, we're not doing two hundred pounds an hour we're doing we're, we're doing we're doing nine pounds at a time mm-hmm. so it's always going to be fresh it's always going to be small batch roasted it's always going to have somebody paying attention to the detail of it. Um, and so yeah. that's that's the cool yeah. thing, and you just get to experiment with different flavors, different variances. Um, we've seen more people go from dark roasted, you know, aficionados into light roasted aficionados really? over time because they're recognizing like, well, this stuff over here, you know, uh, some of these places burn their coffee, and that's, that gives it a uniform taste. But when you make it on like the lighter side, you get more flavor profiles, things like that. So wow, I didn't know people that. have kind of appreciated that. Yeah, so. how did you learn how to roast coffee? Um, YouTube, <laughs> uh, YouTube and a couple articles. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, this is the thing, like, just like with baking bread, like you're going to, you're going to get a few like flat loaves through the process, but the more that you do it, the better you're going to understand what's happening. You know, the more things you're going to learn to look out for, yeah. um, things like that. And you, you know, so, but YouTube is definitely the start. <laughs> Don't we love it? And, and I love following new roasters cause, cause you, they almost always burn their stuff, you know. Like, uh, how do you burn it? Because I remember, because you make the coffee for the podcast, and yeah. you called once, and you were like, "It's not going to be. I'm going to have it to you on a certain day because, like, I need a fire extinguisher or something like oh, that." Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, "Oh my gracious!" Yeah, yeah. Uh, we coffee is roasted up upwards of of usually between like 400 degrees and 465 okay, degrees. Okay, yeah, definitely need. Now, our roaster ends up getting a lot hotter than that, so we actually work on a roaster that, that runs uh, closer to 650 to 700 degrees. Okay. Um, and that, in that time, <laughs> I hadn't experienced that before, so I was kind of in a little freak-out mode. Um, but there's oil and oils that come off of coffee. Most of us don't think about that either, but there's oils that come off, off of coffee, and I just hadn't changed my pipes out. <laughs> in the time that I was supposed to. And so more, more of the oil is kind of caught gotcha. in it. And so kind yeah. of burned through something, yeah. but it was not a big deal. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> think that it was. I was just like, I was just curious about how the process yeah. worked. So yeah, it's very, very hot stuff. Um, and so, um, and, and that's the crazy thing is you can move, 
Um, within 30, 30 to 40 seconds, you can move from a light roasted cup into a burned cup, you know. Wow. Um, so that's one of those things that it's, it's good to have that small batch, you know, attention, personal attention, stuff like that. Because once you know what to look for, you know, um, you can you can create a specific kind of cup um, and not just, like I said, newbie roasters and, and so forth. They always, almost always burn it because they're not. <laughs> paying quite enough attention to, to yeah. the process. Yeah. Where do you roast at? We roast in Wilmore. Um, we have a little shop that we started um, at 325 East Main Street in okay. Wilmore. And that's where have, like the Drinklings is. And that's where like the Drinklings store- shop is. Yeah. So we are, we, Drinklings Coffee and Mugs is our, our kind of our working name. Um, okay. This is called the Drinklings Roastery. Um, which is where we do all of our roasting and we're just we just happened god put a shop in front of us and we were going with it um but uh but that's kind of yeah we do all the roasting there um we've done it in different places before but that's kind of where we set up shop so not like is the roastery in drinklings it is in the shop so anybody can actually come and watch us do it um oftentimes if you're if you're nice <laughs> uh, and, and we like you, will you can come back behind the counter and watch us, you know. Am I nice? Talk. Can I come yes, and watch? Yes, you can come okay. watch. We're actually working on a new build out, so we're going to actually be able to bring it out. So it will be more of a, a public um, thing. You know, right now it's, it's just kind of behind the counter and stuff, but um, we want to get more involved in the community and so forth. But anybody can come in and watch us um, do this and ask questions and that's we can so talk cool. through it all. So. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Um, how do you see coffee as mission has that grown like from when you first started or did you always kind of see it as a way to do good in the world yeah so since we when we initially started for me what's called social entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. um has been a big big factor in what we do um in fact you know it's just part of my convictions in, in life vocation um, so forth is that if you're doing something, you should always be concerned about what social good it's doing. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot, a lot of our, I think, our social problems, economic problems, stuff like that, kind of come down to, you know, just people not paying attention to the w- the ways that their business might harm people, implicate other people, um, or just fail to contribute to to the betterment of of society in general. Right. Um, so when we when we initially started, um, and we we weren't coffee with a mission because we weren't doing coffee for those first few months, um, but our, but we wanted to to leverage off some of our mugs and give to different social mission causes. Okay. Um, I chose the term social mission rather than social justice because that's often plagued with some controversy. Um, I also chose the the notion of social mission because I think it's accept. I think it translates well in the broader culture. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you get deeper into our stuff, you realize when we're talking about social mission, we're talking about kingdom mission, um, gotcha. kingdom work. Yeah. Um, that just most people don't know what that means. <laughs> right. Yeah. So tell us what you mean by social mission Yeah. Like versus social justice. Like you don't have to get into all that, but what do you mean by social yeah, mission? Yeah. I mean, social mission, like I said, it's just, it's going back to asking more kingdom of God kind of questions mm-hmm. um, rather than just picking a particular issue and saying, we're going to stand for this issue. You know, we're going to fight for this issue. My back, my background, for example, aside from theology is social work and you see social justice all over social work. Um, and you see it in all sorts of different faith traditions, um, non-faith traditions. You see it as, you know, in political and partisan camps, you see it, you know, attached to, attached to a lot of stuff. And a lot of the time that can be really good, but it doesn't make the connection, 
um, into like kingdom work, right? Like, why are you doing this? Okay. Social justice, for example, can be very humanistically driven. Okay. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think we've seen throughout history, you know, like wherever wherever humanism might attach its its point of progress or or its ideals or anything like that, social justice aims at that, right? It says this is the human ideal, this is the progress we're gonna we're gonna take these issues and we're gonna stand for them, and oftentimes that that works out great and that's really necessary. I mean, you talk about civil rights, you know, women's suffrage, um, so forth. But you know, there's other things like. Uh, you know, we we contributed, um, uh, I think, close to a thousand dollars to um, crisis pregnancy centers that were local. Mm-hmm. Now, oftentimes <laughs> that might be seen, depending on your partisan camp and your personal views and where the culture stands on something, it's not going to be seen as a social justice thing. Oftentimes, it will be seen as a non-social justice thing, right? Like we're actually, you know, mm-hmm. and we chose that one very specifically and very carefully because for me, I am a, I am a, uh, I, I have pretty significant criticisms of the way that we've kind of partisaned out uh, this issue in particular. Um, and it's an issue that is also very personal for me in my own life. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just through a number of connections and, and a number of people that I, I've, you know, very close to, um, but, but, you know, for us, it was like, that's a kingdom thing. It's not a social justice thing. It's not holding up a humanistic ideal or anything like that. Social mission is about mission. It's about accomplishing something with an end goal, right? Mm-hmm. And that end mm-hmm. goal is biblical. Um, it's Christian, you know, um, mm-hmm. it stands for those ideals and, yeah. and against humanistic ideals or whatever we think is, you know, fanciful at the time. Yeah. So um, that all of that to say, we're not usually opponents of social justice. We've just realized, you know, usually the culture and Christianity oftentimes, you know, take similar concepts, but we parse them out a little bit different. And right. For us, we just want to parse that out. So um, we are, you know, we've done a, we've done a decent amount in that area, not as much as I would like to, because mm-hmm. um, we started off like a lot of companies do with a percentage of profits go towards such and such. Right, um, right. Uh, one of the challenges we're facing is that as a, you know, moving from just being a coffee roaster to a shop comes a whole lot of other dynamics that are there and very expensive dynamics. For sure. <laughs> and we've been realizing, like, you know, we, we talk about social mission, um, but but because of the way that you know like the expenses and and revenue streams especially in a small town and things like that 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 sometimes the like profits can be fleeting you know in this kind of high turnover yeah. world where you're reliant upon like people coming in you know people you know right. coming back again and so forth and so we are actually in a position of re-strategizing what that means okay. um i think we've landed somewhere between like you know moving moving into revenue um uh, giving away portions of our revenue and just needing to kind of like step out in faith and say like we're giving ahead of it right not we're not waiting until yeah. everything's in the bucket and we get That's a little risky. bit reaped over yeah, yeah. Um, for us now it's like we we're stepping out on some faith that we're going to be giving away some profits towards particular particular ends um, and really trusting that like god's mm-hmm. going to bless that yeah. ahead of time Mm-hmm. And for me, that's a challenging thing. It's a scary thing. Yeah, because you're um, a business owner with the faith, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and it's like it is. It is a little bit like 
giving out of your, you know, giving 10% of your tithe without knowing like this isn't going to really hurt you later. <laughs> right. Most of us tithe um, after we get our paycheck, yep, you know. Yeah. Yep. And, and this for, for us, there's just the strong conviction that, um, you know, profits may be in, in this kind of world, especially in, in startup worlds. Um, and we are kind of at a new startup phase with mm -hmm. all of this is that, um, profits may be fleeting for three to five years. Yeah. That doesn't mean we hold off on our mission for the next three to five years. Like yeah. we are called to do this now and we need to do it with whatever capability and means that we have now rather than waiting for those means to be available later. That's um, a good word for all of us, whether we're starting a business or, you know, yeah, wherever. It's terrifying. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, uh, but, but that's just, man, there's just been this conviction over the past week as we've gone through like rewriting business plans and stuff like that um, and, and rewriting missions and goals and values and so forth. Um, and I think the other part of that that has switched for us is, you know, we've given to, to different global causes. We've given to um, certain, like really causes have been our big thing. So we've given to like crisis pregnancy centers. We've given to an addiction recovery center. Um, we gave to a human trafficking center. Um, we've worked with, I don't know if you've had Jacob Guat on your, on your now I haven't, but we before. do voices because I talked to you for voices yeah. before, and he's been on our voices. Yeah, and so page. you know we we've given through through African Sunrise uh, Ministries to to building some schools. We've done some some, you know, just some other stuff through maybe like World Vision and so yeah. forth. But for us, we've also started to see a shift and to say like, you know, and and this a lot comes from like my my time at the seminary, right? Is that we're here and we often get told to go out across the world and change things in different places. And I think one of the, the, the things that some students, grads, especially those who stay around recognizing is that like our mission start, our mission should be starting here. Mm -hmm. Like if you walk out your front door and your focus is like 10 hours yeah. that way or in a completely different country that way, but you're not looking at the neighbor that actually legitimately lives right next to you. Um, you know, like you might be missing something. You right. Might... Like Jerusalem, we are told to start in Jerusalem yep. first and then branch out. Yeah. And so, um, we don't fully know what this looks like yet, but um, because it's just a matter of like figuring out some of the details. But um, my, you know, I mentioned a little bit of my own journey a while ago and kind of getting into a, a place where you know I was, I was struggling with faith and and so forth. Um, we had tragedy happen in our family, and mm -hmm. um, we had a church down the street. And you're familiar with the Southland, and they have a program that they run called the Dollar Club. Um, and with that, they look outside their, their immediate periphery and say, where are the people that are hurting and, you know, what, you know, how can we, how can we help? And so mm -hmm. they, they raise money and they, they go out and help, help in very practical ways. Mm -hmm. Um, that is the direction that we're actually now taking our company. And for, for nine years, since me and my, my family were the recipients of the dollar club, mm -hmm. I've had that on my heart yeah. where God has not letting me shake in like, yeah this happened to you, it really saved your life. And in a lot of ways, it, it also helped save my faith. And, you know, I'm supposed to not just move on from that, like I'm supposed to do something with that. And, I, and I've always thought this would be really cool to see not just like Southland do this, but lots of other churches do that and watch businesses do that. If a business was able to give away, you know, not all are, most probably aren't, but if a business is able to give away money towards the practical needs of its community, like 
Yeah. How would we change? If we could, if we can go out and buy a gas card for somebody, like how much is that going to change? Mm-hmm. If we can go out and pay rent for somebody. Mm-hmm. How much is that going to change in the scope of the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, we're shifting uh, in this process. We, yeah. we kind of are doing this interview at a different time. Yeah. Um, but we're shifting more in that direction from saying we're not going to be looking overseas um, right now. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll go back there. Um, that is a fair trade, direct trade. Like that's where we are. We're, we are doing that in that way. Um, but as a small town coffee shop, as a small town roaster, and as a small yeah. town people who have pitched their lives here, um, like our heart is for our community yeah. and saying like that social mission can begin here. Um, for sure. So we're excited. I mean, uh, maybe whenever this podcast gets released, like we'll have a couple stories to tell about that. Um, but we'll be beginning that actually this month um, and and looking what specifically at the end of November, at the end of December, um, how we how we are, you know, contributing towards our, our little town a little more. That's so. beautiful. I love I love that. Like, so. yeah, because I've been thinking about that, too, like because um like giving overseas is great, you know, but I'm like, there are people who live right next to me yeah. and what am I doing about them? Because they're my literal neighbors, you know? Right. So. Yeah. Wilmore's an interesting place. And I think a lot of small towns are like this in that, um, you know, I worked for, I worked for a year at the community service center to, when I was doing my social work internship and mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much poverty our area has. Um, mm-hmm. And that may have been shielded a little bit because I was a grad student and middle, you know, fairly middle class and lived in, lived in a community. People here in might know Callis and so forth. We lived there. And, and, you know, we do have these invisible gates, um, not just here, but most of us yeah. do in our lives yeah. where we have yeah, these invisible sure. gates that become barriers to us seeing over the, for lack of a better term, over the railroad tracks, right? Here, that's actually literal, <laughs> seeing over the railroad <laughs> tracks. Um, and for us, that's just become a big conviction is like, we are on one side of the railroad tracks. Drinklings is on one side of the railroad tracks. But we hear that train go every single day. Um, but we can look out our window, we can see the railroad tracks. And every single day we gotta cross over those railroad tracks to get back to our home. Like, that's our mission first. Mm-hmm. That's whatever, you know, if the church is changing a little bit and we're thinking in terms of business as, as mission and, mm-hmm. and mission as business and, and church, you know, engagement in the marketplace, like, businesses that that have that calling and that conviction to to be you know i'm putting quotation marks in church right to be actively Mm -hmm. the church um this is their parish then too Mm -hmm. and that's just what we've been convinced of is like our this is our parish like this is our parish yeah and so we we really want that yeah um, here so yeah you're engaging in redemptive living now yeah yeah. Hopefully so. so. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. What advice would you give to someone who's wanting to, I guess, for lack of a better term, use their life for good and like through business? Um, well, I think one of those things is just kind of what we talked about. Like this, this has been a challenge. Um, but you know, realizing like, you know, God said mugs years ago. I don't know what that meant. Um, and it's required a lot of adaptation um, and just continual listening and challenging and stuff like that. And so we are kind of in that phase of readapting instead mm-hmm. of saying like, no, this is putting my <laughs> stick in the ground and this is what God called me to do and I'm not moving from here. <laughs> right. Uh, like God, God, like we may 
stop i don't i don't know what we'll do but like mugs 30 years from now that that whole continuity of strings may be something completely different so i think christian entrepreneurs when god's giving us a, a an idea um to do something like we have to be willing to follow him where he's going to go with that mm-hmm. and as i say i say this enough that uh drinkley didn't plan on a coffee shop we weren't we weren't we weren't supposed to have a coffee shop um, mm-hmm. in that sense, right? Like this wasn't the original plan. It wasn't our, pre- we were just a coffee roaster who did mugs. Yeah. You weren't playing. And we had a an brick online and store yeah. um, that happened and it just, it just happened in a, in a very kind of God like way, you know, like we feel like we're supposed to go down there. We, we scoped out the town, came back, you know, a day later, somebody called us and said, you know, I'm buying this building. We'd like to have you guys in here, <laughs> you know? Wow. And it was like, that, you know, at, right after we come back and said that there's no place to go wow. in Wilmore. So there's kind of that God stuff there. But God may call us out of this. And and so I'm, I'm having to recognize, like, we are here for a season. Um, God may change that at some point. And I think it's important for Christians and businesses to not get so hung up on whatever they're doing now that it stops them from seeing the ways that God might use them or change things later. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think God does call things to, into living, but he also does call things into dying, too, mm. and changing. Yeah, there's a season for yeah. everything. Yeah. There's a season for everything. And so we have to be, we have to recognize when God is opening a season and when he's closing a season. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of that is, like, I think it's important for followers of Jesus to, I think, the social entrepreneurship idea is really important to look at. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at business um, or you're looking at entrepreneurship, to really be asking those questions, how does this not just benefit me? Because the reality is, you know, money is enticing, even for Christians. Yeah. Money is enticing. We, all have we bills. start to get it. Yeah. We, you know, we all have bills and, and, and so forth. And I think I, I really, really continually believe that when Jesus said, like, it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, like, he wasn't just giving us a euphemism, you know, like, it is really hard once we start saying, like, and it's not just money. I mean, money can be metaphorical there for success, for reputation, for for power, for whatever. And um, I, often, I often think, like, we get a lot of we get a lot of celebrity Christians, but I'm oftentimes think like, hey, nobody's approaching you at the airport saying you're so and so. Like, you are nobody to most of the world, you know. And you may be successful in your own little venture in your own little neck of the woods, but you are still nobody in the rest of the world. You are somebody in the kingdom of God, but don't get so hung up on yourself <laughs> that 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 you're not willing to follow God um, where he's where he's leading. Yeah. So. Yeah. When did you guys open up your storefront? Um, in late late March of 2019, so just a few months ago. Oh, wow. It yeah. feels like you guys have been there forever in a good way. Like, you know, you're yeah. just part of the scene. In yeah, it's now. only been seven months. So wow. we're still actually, that's what I said, like rewriting the business plan, wow. all that kind of stuff, because just going from being a coffee roaster, mug producer with an online storefront to an actual storefront where we have employees, staff, hours, you know. Yeah. Um, whatever, you know, it's just big change. So, you know, with that change is coming like some change in our mission stuff that we're really excited about. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you alluded to it a minute ago when we were talking, but how you even got into the space, because you said this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. So how did it happen? So anybody that's familiar with Wilmore um, for more than a year um, probably remembers there's a little Mexican restaurant down there called Jose's. Oh, yes. Um, before that, if anybody's listening, you know, of course, it was there was a pizzeria in there. Um, there was a little there was a little cafe that was in there. It was really cool with some of the, the deconstruction of the place um, to kind of see just some layers of history yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and that will like that goes into the long view of things too. Is that eventually somebody else is going to buy our place and they're going to see like this used to be a coffee joint. There's chaff in the wall, <laughs> you know. Um, but it was it was a Mexican restaurant. Um, uh, Jose Jose was a great friend of ours, um, and he was just such a minister to yeah he was anybody that went down there. Um, uh, uh, you know, just for tacos or, or quesadillas or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was good food. You know, it was, good, it was really good food. Um, but he, he did that out of conviction and a following. Um, he didn't do it because he was making making bukus of money. Um, in fact, I know, I know that he wasn't. And um, he passed away from cancer um, about, about a year ago this time, maybe a little bit mm-hmm. less than that. And for us, this is a huge honor um, because... We actually started some of the initial conversations about drinklings in in Jose's, um, never knowing that we were going to be back there wow. and, you know, living in the space. Um, and there's also some very personal connections with me, too, that, that you know, I love about the I love about the space, too. Um, some just long history stuff. And uh, that's that's. That's a great thing about the space is that, you know, spaces do mean something. Mm-hmm. And God puts spaces in our life for reasons. Yeah. And um, I think they can be confirming. And so for me, like, the the personal personal connection that I have there historically and then, you know, some of the initial conversations about Drinkleads being there and, uh, uh, you know, just the friendship with Jose and feeling like, you know, knowing him rather than just some outsider who who didn't know him and just took over the building or anything like that. For mm-hmm. us, it's like an honor because I yeah. remember I remember Jose so well. Um, those conversations and and um, I worked with on like his going away party and stuff like that before we even knew there was going to be a drink links there, and and just to see him blessed through that time mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's really cool. So spaces are good. God gives us spaces, um, and this is you know God's given us this for a time. Um, we want to use it well, um, and hopefully we, hopefully we are. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a great place to visit. So how can people connect with you? So we, of course, if you live in Wilmore, just, you know, anybody can kind of walk down the street, um, and hang out with us there. Um, we do have, you know, we have Facebook, um, dot com or facebook.com slash drinklings. We have an Instagram account, drinklings coffee. Um, I'm not big on social media personally, so <laughs> that's about the extent of our social media yeah. um, activity. But if you know people shoot a message over, you know we'll we'll catch them. Yeah. Um, uh, we do have a website, um, drinklings.coffee, um, okay. www.drinklings.coffee, and they okay. can check us out there. Right. Um, and we'll awesome. link to all of that in the show notes too, so people will be able yeah. to find you. And we love to hear from people, so you know, um, you know, shoot a message or anything like that. And yeah. So. What's your favorite blend of coffee? Oh man, the ones that we do. Uh, that's a really hard question. <laughs> um, our most popular is is our Oxford blend. Okay. Um, that is hands down our most popular in the shop. It, I'm probably going to say that that's also 
my favorite as well. Okay. It is, and it is our house coffee for a reason. Um, <laughs> hey. We did just come out another homage to the Inklings, you know, the o- Oxford blend homage to, to Oxford. Um, C.S. Lewis was a, a professor at Cambridge for a while, and so we just did come out with a Cambridge blend as well. So we got these little nice. nerd things too. Yeah. Um, but I think the Oxford's probably the better of, of all of them. All right. So have you always liked coffee? I have, well, not not as a baby. Um, but, <laughs> but like when you were five, like but, you started uh, drinking coffee. I remember I had my first cappuccino at 10, and I thought it was disgusting. Uh, and uh, it was at Disney World, ironically. So it might have not really been like a good cappuccino either. I think it was like <laughs> off of a cart somewhere. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I started really getting into coffee at like 15 or 16. And... Um, of course, college came, you know. And, and then it was a necessity. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, like, ever since starting this, I've been far more into coffee than I ever was before. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was really into coffee, and, and I would go through a pot a day, you know, my, myself. Um, but, you know, learning the art of it has mm-hmm. been something that, that this has kind of pushed me into and getting to know really well. And so I'm learning like crazy, too, mm-hmm. um, through it all, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 a joke in the in the roasting or coffee shop community that if you can always tell who owns a coffee shop by going in their kitchen and seeing what kind of coffee stuff they have because <laughs> coffee shop owners, you know, we don't have an auto drip, we have a Chemex, a French press, a manual espresso, you know, thing. You know, it's like obviously we own a coffee shop in our kitchen. <laughs> right. So. Right. Yeah. Tell me about the Thrive Blend. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like? So, um, we, we, one of the things we love about this community is just being able to work with the schools, um, that are here and some of the churches and so forth. And so, you know, when you guys kind of approached us about doing a coffee, um, you know, we know it's not going to be a, a, a big turnover kind of thing. And I think that's part of the, the awesome thing about small batch artisan roasted and, and the local st- local coffee scene is we can do some experiments on blends where it's like big coffee roasters, you know, that might be in big cities and stuff like that. They're going to, they're going to want a, a guarantee. Like I remember when we were starting, cause we thought for a while about not doing our own coffee, but just outsourcing it. We, we talked to a company that said, well, if you can guarantee us two thousand dollars a month in revenue, we'll be glad to custom. We'll be glad to give you like Whoa. a custom blend. <laughs> um, and we were like, well, we can't promise two thousand dollars a month in yeah. revenue. Um, and you know, that's I, I get where they're coming from, but for us, it's like we the Asbury and Asbury Seminary have been so formational in us that for us, it's like you know what we would love to like do some custom stuff, and so we have. You know, we have the Thrive Blend for you guys. We do another one for for the ESJ school. That's kind yeah. of a custom blend. Um, we do have an we do have a, an Asbury blend that we do locally, um, mm. and we sell a lot of that like through the university and so forth. Um, so we just we we really like doing the experimental kind yeah. of stuff um, with that. Yeah, and well, so so the Thrive Blend um, is just it's a specific bean that we we kind of prototyped. Um, on a particular roast, and, and we just thought, like, we were going to reserve this one for you guys. So yeah. so we hope you guys do like it. Yeah, and it's your awesome. guests like it. And yeah, so forth. it's awesome. I've heard nothing but good, like I said. That's so, good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just our, it's one of our ways of, like, just kind of giving back as an appreciation. Yeah. Um, like, we'd love to do that. Yeah. For people, yeah. for churches, for 
organization. So yeah, and it's really great to have a place that you can purchase something, know where it came from, and do good in the world yeah. through what you're buying. Because we're going to buy coffee anyway. Right. But we just it's nice to do good with our purchase. So. Yeah, and that's the, I mean, that's the big overarching thing. I mean, when you're talking about social entrepreneurship, you know, um, is is what good are you doing? And I think that means not just from coffee. I mean, coffee's simple. You know, fair trade chocolate, fair trade coffee, those are the things that people attach to, to you know, trading. Um, but everything that we do, you know, the shoes that you're wearing, the shirt the shirt and the pants that you have on, the the, the food that you're eating, the the blankets that you wrap yourselves up in, you know, at night, um, mm-hmm. even the movies that we watch, right? Like, right. Like, are we watching things that have been harmful or better for people across the across the scope of mm-hmm. things? And for us, like, this is a small little way that we can say, like, we're doing this in a way that that is yeah. good. And so, um, buy smart coffee. It is the second most imported item next to crude oil in our country. Wow, I didn't um, know that. So, <laughs> and depending on how you like your coffee, it may be crude oil itself. It might be. It both but, help you run. Yeah, yeah. Espresso, crude oil, just throw it in the gas tank <laughs> and you're good. But uh, but for us, I mean, something on that level, I think it's one of those things that I, I really hope like people see what we're doing and maybe through some of the education stuff that we're hoping to do that, that we can say you know like this is a this is a really 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 um vast area very open area for for christian ministry to start to happen um and you know we push people into churches community social justice all that kind of stuff um but for us like more christians should be involved in the coffee industry because if it is the second most is the second biggest industry in our entire country and it is something that the vast majority of us are impacted on on a daily basis, uh, not just biologically, psychologically, emotionally, yeah. spiritually. You know, yeah. I'm like, how many times do you sin before your cup of coffee <laughs> compared with how many times after, right? Right. We should be spending more attention on what is something like that at that level doing um, for for social good for people around the world. For sure, so. for sure. We talked about this a little bit, but... You talked about rewriting your business plans, looking at your mission. Yep. Um, what is next? And probably by the pod time this releases, it will be in the what's next. So, yeah. What's yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hope is to really wrap a lot of that up over the next, like, two to three weeks. Okay. Um, so, I mean, really what is... So, yeah. If it's too soon to talk about it, we can... Yeah. No, no. I mean, we... It's it's all there. It's just a matter of, like, working out kinks and details and, and so forth. Um, you know, really what's next is... is um, you know, in in the startup of anything, it's always a little bit chaotic, especially when you're doing high velocity turnover, you know, things like that. Um, and you're learning on the go. I mean, that's, and that's one thing that I want to encourage, like Christians, if they're interested in entrepreneurship, don't be afraid. Like you're going to learn as you go. You yeah. know, nobody, nobody's born knowing how to read profit and loss reports and, no. you know, make sound judgment calls for business and under, right. you know, so there's, there's a lot of learning on the go. It's been really cool, but um, you know, for us, like now that we've kind of stabilized out, we're here for a while, you know, we're recognizing like who our customer base is, our clientele, um, and, and all of that, uh, our attention is, is to say like, let's talk about identity more, right? Let's talk about mission more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can get lost in businesses. And I think sure. probably honestly for the first little while that we've moved into this restaurant space, 
um, that probably did get lost, you know, because it was like 90,000 things moving and the, the question of mission, the question of identity, the question of values, stuff like that, you know, this is all in full transparency. Like that wasn't always on the top of our, our mind, you That's know? Fair. And it was this, uh, there was a lot of this conviction that was like, this needs to be on the top of your mind. You guys have done some good stuff. Don't get, don't, don't rely on that. You know, that's, that, that's whatever it is. Like, what are you doing now? That's important. And so for us, like, um, you know, leadership's a big thing in an organization. They say, you know, they say your institution, your, your system is only as healthy as your leadership in an organization. So that's a really important thing to us. And then institutions and organizations are symbols of the community that's around it and oftentimes affect the health and maturity and um, the the mobilization of a community and so forth and so for us a lot of like this next step is saying like you know for for a lot of people so far we've kind of just been this third wave coffee shop that's come in we want to really communicate like the coffee is the front door to everything else that we're doing mm, you know mm -hmm. and so Mission sometimes is going to be fair trade, direct trade. Mission is going to be having a lot of local emphasis through through what, however this kind of dollar club thing works out in our organization. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's going to be important. We also run this thing called Think Leans, which is you know local conversations around different issues. Like you know in December we have um, uh, somebody coming to talk about homelessness um, and what that looks like. We've had we've had conversations about. Creation care and ecology. We've had conversations about. Um, in fact, Jacob and Medine Keener um, came and talked about what the refugee thing is like from mm -hmm. from the position of a refugee. Mm -hmm. So we've done we've done a lot of those kind of things too. And so we really want to continually be known for that, so mm -hmm. that it's not it's a coffee shop and then they got this ten percent missional thing. We want to be ninety percent mission, ten percent coffee shop. Mm, yeah. And so that's kind of the next change. Is, yeah. And it's that's really important for for. Christian entrepreneurs, um, I'm, we're increasingly learning our mistakes along the way and the things that in hindsight would have been better. But um, that for us is, you know, kind of an area of just course correction and to say, um, you know, our, we need to be known for our mission. Mm -hmm. 100% needs to be explicit. You know, we need to be known for that. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Pack it up and go home because right. there's other things to do, you know and right. other ways to better use that space. So all, some of this is aspirational, some of it's in, in, in rolling, you know, yeah. some of it's behind us, you know, and again, like it just goes back to this continual, are you actively listening to God? Because um, God will continue to, to, at least he has in my life, like God will continue to prod you, he will mm -hmm. continue to poke you, he will continue to give you course corrections, he will continue to tell you, you know, uh, uh, where to go. That's that guidance. And, mm -hmm. and so mugs, <laughs> when he said that, that may be a big voice in my head, but there's the small, small voices that unless we're paying attention to, we're, we're liable to miss. And yeah. so mugs is a big word, but God is speaking every day, um, in every moment. And, um, I can't just be listening for the big ones. I have to be listening for the small yeah. ones too. Yeah, for sure. So. For sure. Well, thank you for thank being you. on the podcast today. As we wrap it up, we have one question that we ask everybody who's <laughs> on the podcast. So uh -oh. it's called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. So yeah. what is one practice? It can be spiritual or otherwise that is helping you thrive in your life right now. Oh, man. Um, so 
time, like time is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is this is one of those like I've learned in hindsight because when you're starting something, oftentimes, yeah, whether you're this happens with a lot of people who step foot into the pastorate, right? And they get a big church or or so forth, or business leaders who who start off something, and uh, you don't set good spaces in your in your time yeah. you're, you're maybe paying a lot of attention to this space that god gave you while you're detracting away from these other right. spaces and for me um god has really convicted me like over the past month that uh i've been spending more focus on this space than i am on some of these other spaces like you know my family my faith yeah. my own my own just stepping away and, and have, finding some personal time for me, right? Um, and I think, I think the irony of all that is if you're not paying attention well to these spaces, you're not paying attention well to this space, mm-hmm. um, the big space, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I, ironically, you flip that around too and you recognize that all the other spaces that you have, your, your family, your friend, you know, all those things that in the, in the, the, at your end of your life really are the ones that matter, right. those are the big spaces the vocational step, whatever, those are the small spaces. Right. And we get confused by that. So for me, um, I have, I have, I'm learning the art of slowing down, yeah. slowing down and putting, putting, I, I dislike the word boundaries because it gets used so often as like a deflection, mm-hmm. you know, boundaries, mm-hmm. boundaries, boundaries. Um, so, so I like the word space, um, mm-hmm. which I think actually puts it in a more positive framework. Is that you're creating space for yeah. other things yeah. to be there, and um, I've seen myself go from a, a very overwhelmed, um, even even depressed at a couple points, but very overwhelmed entrepreneur in a business um, to to somebody who is now finding like good grooves for that and appreciations for that, mm, and mm-hmm. being able to step away and realize at the end of the day. A roaster might catch fire for a little bit, but (laughs) 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 Uh, it'll get out and you go along your day. And it's not, unless it burns up the whole building, that is a big deal if that happens. (laughs) That's why we have insurance. But, uh, you know, if that happens, that happens. And then you move on into your other spaces, you know. And for me, that's, and maybe that's the other part of this is realizing, like, things are worth trying once. Um, Don't get so attached to them that, Mm. that... your identity becomes fused with it um, because God may just as well call you out of it as he called you into yeah. it. And, um, and I think God calls us out of those certain spaces every day into other spaces that we need to pay attention to. So, so yeah. for me, like space with my family, with my kids, mm-hmm. uh, with my wife, um, with my faith, um, yeah. um, things like that, even with my body physically, you know, getting, making sure I'm getting exercise, yeah. eating right, you know. Yeah. Um, that's important. So. Yeah. I like how, I don't know if you noticed it, I like how you referred to the art of slowing down, mm-hmm. the art of making coffee. And I just like the kind of the way it shows that you're thinking about things as like a, a creative process. Like, yeah. yeah, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm not a very rigid guy. Um, I don't like boxes very well <laughs> as a four. Is that your four? I was going to four. <laughs> And my five sometimes makes me go into boxes, but I I, I despise boxes. So um, if life can be an art, it sh- it should be treated yeah. as such. So I think it would all live a lot easier if we saw it more as a flowing process rather yeah. than. I think if you really like, that's the crazy thing about God is 
he's an artist he's a creator yeah. like that's the first thing that we meet about god is he is a creator yeah um and he's continually creating you know he doesn't stop creating he might rest for a little bit but he's continually creating yeah. and so if we're made in his image we should be artists yeah. you know um, yeah so continually creating continually changing yeah so. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks you've, for having me. Yeah, you changed the way I look at my morning cup of joe. So well, thanks I, for coming by. I appreciate by. it. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Randy. It definitely changed the way I think about what's in my cup of coffee each morning. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And if you're in Wilmore, make sure you stop in at Drinklings. In the podcast, Randy mentioned a shift that was coming. Well, it's been a couple of months since we recorded, so I wanted to update you and tell y'all all about it. Drinklings wants to leverage their space and their business within this community to do good, and they want to make it easy for you to do the same. To do that, all you have to do is pick up a punch card. When you buy 10 drinks, you get a free one, of course, but you also leave your card with them. Each full card represents a dollar that will be used to support people in need within this community with gas cards, provide help with medical bills, and things like that. So now when you buy coffee at Drinklings, you not only know that you're getting ethically produced coffee, but your purchase will also help your neighbors. So that's it for today, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I know I sure did. Hope you have a great day and go do something that helps you thrive.